We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God, our creator, not our government. I believe that scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Good morning. Well, a couple of headlines this morning. Uh, Quickly, the Ohio Senate voted to override Governor Mike DeWine's veto of House Bill 68, which will protect minors from experimental transgender treatments, euphemistically referred to as gender-affirming care, and safeguard fairness in women's sports. This coming from the Daily Signal. The override passed the Senate 24 to 8 Wednesday after passing the House of Representatives 65 to 8 on January 10th. Also, Governor Greg Abbott, and we'll talk about this more in the next segment, uh, issued a letter uh, late yesterday saying that the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states, and he is promising to secure the border. And for those reasons, he says he has already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. So a lot to discuss there. But before we get to the news of the day, uh, some of you may remember uh, me commenting on Alistair Begg's comments uh, from an interview that uh, he had on his program Truth for Life back in September. And uh, AFR had special programming yesterday, and I wanted to play a segment of this because I think it's so incredibly important to listen not only to the decision uh, that was made by the leadership here at AFR, but the rationale for that decision and also uh, the process that they took. And I just want to say off the top before we even get to this, that I have so much respect and admiration for the uh, the Wildmans, uh, Tim Wildman in particular, and uh, the leadership here at AFR. And this was absolutely the right call. So listen to this. Something has happened recently, which has forced our hand here at American Family Radio to make a decision on continuing uh, the Truth for Life program on AFR or not. And... We're going to talk about it. We wanted to explain to you, our listeners, what happened and what went into the thinking of our decision. So joining me in studio, Wesley Wildman's uh, with me, but Ed Battagliano and Walker Wildman. And uh, you guys want me to set this up real quickly to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, or I'll you be can. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. So this this was a, a uh, interview that uh, Alistair Begg did with one of his colleagues um, back in September of 23. So a couple months ago um, in September of 2023. So it just recently resurfaced, caught a lot of attention. Um, so the clip we're playing is from a sit-down interview that Alistair Begg did with one of his colleagues on his recent book, The Christian Manifesto. Um, and so this portion is from an interview uh, in September of 2023. 
Uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which mm. is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus? Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. You're not going to, your, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. All right, so that began to make a lot of news. Uh, I just heard about it last week and a few days ago, whatever. <clears throat> and so people heard that answer, and uh, people began to call us, hey, what are you going to do? Did you hear what Alistair Begg said? Uh, what's your opinion, uh, American Family Radio, of what he said? So that's what I mean by it forced us <clears throat> to uh, take a, a hard look at this and make a decision <clears throat> on what what, if anything, we were going to do about it. Uh, so, Ed, you and Walker had a phone conversation with uh, not Alistair Begg himself, but his team. Is that fair? To call yes. Him this? Okay, uh, yesterday. Yes. We, we wanted we wanted to give him an opportunity to say, I messed up right there. Right. And and uh, I, I think it's the wrong – I said the wrong thing, and I, I'd like to recant. Sure. And and we and in any case, we want to do the Christian thing, and in as much as we can. Sometimes with public statements, you can't get in touch with the person who made them. But because they're public, you can comment publicly. But we have had such a long and fruitful relationship with uh, Truth For Life and Alistair Begg. We wanted to have some sort of interaction. Now, let me just say – from the outset, and then I'm going to get Walker to to, to join in here too. That uh, the 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 two individuals that we talked with, so it was Walker and I, with two individuals from Alistair Begg's ministry, they made it clear that Alistair Begg uh, believes that homosexuality is wrong. He hasn't changed that his views on that. Uh, he does not believe that homosexual marriage is valid, and that the practice of homosexual activity is, as the Bible says, an abomination. So all four of us were in agreement with that. But Walker, what we could not get them to change, and they said that Alistair Begg is not going to change his mind, was on the issue of whether Christians should attend, because that is what Alistair Begg was saying. Yes. He was saying Christians should attend and bring a gift. Yes, that's right. And the goal of the call— and the goal of all Christians when approaching these issues should be reconciliation, but reconciliation in truth. Um, and so that was our goal with the call with Alistair Begg's team. And unfortunately, we didn't get there, um, but we did press the issue multiple, multiple times. And, and we even asked point blank, um, so are, are you guys stating that Pastor Alistair Begg is standing by his original comment? He has no regrets. He didn't misspeak. He doesn't want to further clarify nothing. And they said yes. 
he's standing by his original comment. So <clears throat> very disappointing. And, um, you know, I even told Ed this and the, the gentleman and lady that we were on the call with, with Truth For Life, that Pastor Alistair Begg has such a long, decades-long track record of biblical fidelity and truthfully teaching the Word of God that this is extremely disappointing. This this isn't something that we saw coming. This isn't like some of the others, uh, uh, evangelical leaders that have drifted. This is not one that, that was on the list um, that we, we could have seen this coming. So. Hey. Couple things, couple things. Just <clears throat> if Alistair Beck were here on with us, he would say, "I didn't drift. I still believe in the scriptural teaching about human sexuality. I still believe homosexuality is against uh, the Bible, and I'm not and not teaching any differently. I'm just giving an opinion on whether attend a a, a same sex or a homosexual or transgender, whatever it was, wedding to a grandmother. So I I don't I don't accept your get you guys uh, <laughs> framing me as some kind of a uh, false teacher. Yeah, uh, and that's why that's why I was careful to to start off right. by saying that Alistair Begg holds all the and and this was part of the conversation that Walker and I had. They said no, he believes all these things, but he does believe that Christians and should go should uh, all right be free to go. What, so, which is which is an unbiblical view. This is yes. not a tertiary uh, uh, view that's unclear in Scripture. Right. Attending a wedding ceremony of a, of a of a union that is outside of God's design. And definition is attending and approving of an unbiblical ceremony. Right. Yes. And so let me ask you this. Okay. Real quick. And then we want to bring Alex McFarlane on, Dr. Alex McFarlane on for this moment. So the bottom line is, folks, we're taking the program off. We're taking Truth for Life off, and we're replacing it with another uh, Bible teaching program, and we'll tell you what that is in a few moments. Um, so, Ed, number one, you gave a, a, an analogy to Dr. Begg's uh, team, Pastor Begg's team, which I think is very uh, understandable and relatable. And and then uh, and then then I want to talk. What what why people might say why are y'all making a big deal out of this? Okay, right. so first of all, give your uh, your 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 analogy. Okay, well the first thing I told them was I, I've been in the the pastor one form or another for thirty five years. When I was in Bible college. My teachers, when they ever talked about John chapter 2, the wedding of, at Cana of Galilee, I was always taught, and I believe this is true, that Jesus appearing at a wedding was his stamp of approval, if, it, if you will, of the sanctity of the institution of marriage, one man, one woman, okay? Just showing up, in other words, was demonstrating his approval of it. So the question is, if a Christian goes to a homosexual wedding, are they approving of it? And uh, our answer here is absolutely. And here's the example I used. And I gave this to Pastor Begg's team. I said, if, uh, if uh, my best friend cheats on his wife and starts to have an illicit relationship with his secretary and then wants to divorce his wife and marry that other woman and comes to me and asks me to come, maybe be his best man. What would I say? I would say, brother, no, I'm not coming to your marriage. I'm not going to participate, but I'm not even going to attend. What you need to do is to repent of this sexual sin and reconcile with your wife. I, I think most Christians understand that. If you go to the wedding 
you are approving of the new relationship this man has embarked on, and you are approving of what he has done to his wife. And you are going to celebrate the marriage. When you show up at a wedding, I mean, let's face it, you show up at a wedding and you go to the reception, you are going to... And you bring a gift. And you bring a gift. You're going to walk up to that couple and say, congratulations. You're going to shake their hands, these two men. Yeah. And you're going to shake their hands and say, congratulations. That is a, a, a sinful act. You are approving of what they're doing. In my personal opinion, you could be culpable in God's eyes if those people go to hell because you would not preach the gospel to them and preach the gospel of repentance and faith Mm -hmm. in Christ. Alex McFarland joins us, Dr. Alex McFarland, um, uh, co-host of Exploring the Word in the afternoons here on American Family Radio. If you're wondering where the Bible teaching program Truth for Life is with Alistair Begg, we're talking about that because an unfortunate situation came up with Pastor Begg's comments about advising a grandmother to go to her homosexual grandson's wedding and uh, bring a gift and... Uh, we've just we were just talking about that. Uh, what what's wrong with that? And Ed just laid out a good example of of of, of uh, an analogy. And I, I, my guess is uh, Dr. Begg would say I agree with Ed on that. <laughs> but if if it was about adultery, if it was yeah. about adultery, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Alex, good morning. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Okay, Alex, uh, you've heard what we've been talking about here. Comment, please. Well, for one thing, I just want to applaud the integrity and the conviction and the consistency of the American Family Association, the American Family Radio Network, because, you know, uh, decisions like this are not easy. But I I just want to say, and I've always loved and appreciated AFA, but the fact that you would do, do the right thing, even though it's not the easy thing, just the fidelity and the consistency of AFA and the leadership of this radio network. Um, my respect for you is just beyond words. Thank you. Mm. Well, but uh, why, why do you think, Alex, that so many Christians who are otherwise sound in their doctrine, because we've seen this, uh, Andy Stanley mm. over in uh, Atlanta, Louis Giglio. Louis Giglio. They get weak need, man. They start wobbling when you start talking about LGBTQ issues. Yeah. Uh, what? And and you heard you heard Alistair Beck say, "Hey, you don't want you don't." I mean, I'm paraphrasing. You don't want them to think you're judgmental, so you need to go yeah. to the wedding and bring them a gift. And uh, that's what he said. You don't want to be, you don't want to be judgmental. You be viewed as judgmental. And I thought, so the burden is on the grandmother to not well, be viewed as judgmental. That isn't it. Backwards? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and and by the way, the the words Ed Vitagliano just said, I say a big amen to, and let me encourage people, if you would go back and listen to Ed's, the last four or five minutes of what Ed said, I thought that was just very um, insightful. But, okay, James 2.26 says, faith without works is dead. And a lot of people, they want to say the right things they believe, but play it safe when being publicly, visibly, on record. And and listen, I, I've i interviewed Alistair Begg. I, I'm not trying to trash anybody. But here's the thing. It, it's, it's 
sounds real easy to say, well, you know, in my heart of hearts, deep on the inside, you know I stand where the Bible stands. But publicly, uh, you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. That's just an occupational hazard, folks. When you stand with the Lord Jesus and you stand with the Word of God, uh, our call is to be faithful to Christ, popular or unpopular. And let me point out what I believe is a contradiction. Let's say somebody says, um, well, you know, I, I believe what I believe, but I, I, I do want to be nice, so I'm going to go, I'll attend the ceremony, because, you know, I, I don't want to appear judgmental or cruel. So, so here's what you're saying. You're saying, in order to keep the door open to share the gospel, I'm going to publicly betray the gospel. Mm. Guys, that's a contradiction. Now, let, let me say one more thing, and I, w- I was counseling, I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and uh, Angie and I had a family. This was 20 years ago, and the, the son uh, came out as gay, and then later demanded that his parents come to the gay wedding, and, or you don't love me, or Christianity is false. And the mom and dad came to me very broken, what do we do, what do we do? And I said, of course you love your son, and you seek the highest good for him, you want him to come to Christ, but here's the thing, you need to say to your son, and, and I said, I'll go with you. But I said, look, son, if the litmus test for me loving you is denying my Savior who died for me, that, that's a bridge too far. And uh, if, if you think we don't love you, I'm sorry. But if, if the line in the sand means that to love and affirm you, I have to deny the Savior, then you lose. You know? And, and I think what we've got to do, and Lord knows, uh, I, Angie and I, we've spent hundreds of hours trying to call sinners to Jesus, and we'll do that till the day we die. But um, no Christian could or should ever attend a gay wedding. Uh, certainly no minister should condone such because, I mean, volumes of Scripture point to, you know, marriage is inherently heterosexual. It's a man and a woman. It's monogamous. It's one man, one woman. Uh, And by the way, should a Christian attend a Wiccan wedding? Should a Christian attend a satanic wedding? Uh, I mean, where where does it end? You know, another thing to me is, why is the burden always on the Christian? Yeah, thanks. Okay, why is it always our why didn't the son say, listen, mom and dad, I know you love me, and I know you don't approve of this lifestyle I'm in, um, so I'm not going to ask you to come to my wedding, okay? Uh, we'll, uh, so why, 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 is it, why does people say, well, uh, it's wrong of the son to demand that his parents come to something he knows they are... Uh, Betraying, yeah, they're they're for lack of better, they're religiously convicted is something that they certainly see as sinful and don't agree with. Why why is it always on us, you know, to 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 acquiesce? I guess I should say. Ephesians chapter five verses eleven says, "Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them." You know, for us as Christians, um, we have to. This type of well, this type of thinking back up, backing up to Doctor Beggs or Beggs, is it Pastor Pastor Beggs? Pastor Begg. Uh, 
uh, backing up to that thinking, that removes the first and foremost um, position of the Christian, and that is to trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. Uh, obviously, we want to do our part and to be um, respectful, kind, um, but uh, and firm and, and, and have convictions. But uh, ultimately, it's about the Holy Spirit doing the work. And if we're thinking that there's a certain amount of actions that we can do that's going to determine, that's going to prevent them or help them into heaven, apart from what uh, Alex is saying, which is denying the gospel in order to keep the door open, that's a complete contradiction to the 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 the, the discipleship process of the believer. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's an overemphasis of of attending. So, so not to your point, Wesley. Not only are you affirming an unbiblical relationship by going and celebrating it with others, uh, but you're also operating under the assumption that that's your only opportunity to show the love of the gospel. That's just completely not the case. People have, we have countless interactions with unbelievers with countless opportunities Mm -hmm. to share the gospel and show the love of Christ. And also Alex, um, talk about this definition of love. This worldly Mm -hmm. definition of love is the most warped thing uh, that, that, that you can do is to use the word love that is a biblical mandate, but twist it in such a manner that affirms sin. That affirms sin. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said that we're to love the Lord God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourself. Now, what is love? A lot of a uh, lot of ink has been invested in trying to define what love is. But Augustine, 1600 years ago, very brilliant thinker, but Augustine said Christian love is to seek the highest good of another. Hmm. That's why, you know, when a a, a boy is trying to uh, get his girlfriend to compromise her morals and says, well, if you loved me, you would do this. No, that's not love, because love seeks the highest good of another. And so if I'm really going to love my neighbor as the Lord said do, or love my child, then at any cost, I want them to know the uh, truth of the gospel, the uh, significance of the gospel. And so I've had many people, and nobody likes conflict, but people say, well, you know what? I, Hey, I don't want to seem judgmental, so I'm going to go. I don't agree, but I'm just, I'll go to the gay wedding. Not only are you not really showing courage and love, and you're not opening the door, by basically sending the message... Um, the gospel is not important enough for me to stand firm on. That's what you're projecting, and you're probably pushing them farther from salvation yeah. rather than keeping the door open and making them open to it. You know, I don't want to sound <clears throat> insulting to Alistair Begg, but this is not a hard question. <laughs> uh, he stepped no. in it. He shouldn't have said that, and he should have said, you know what, guys? thought about that i gave some bad advice let's move on and we'd have been fine with that answer all right so you can listen to the rest of that program on the special programming page at afr.net and this is absolutely the right analysis and i affirm and respect what the leadership of afr said Uh, remember ephesians 5 says live as children of the light have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And Alex McFarland, I thought, gave the best answer. If the litmus test for my of my love for my son or daughter, or extrapolate that to my friend, my parent, whoever it is, is denying my Savior, then they lose. And I had a friend um, who I was talking to about this yesterday, and he said this, um, our good friend Ryan Helfenbein, um, he, he agreed with all of this, and he said, also, I'll add one more thing that no one is saying. A wedding is solemnizing sexual union. You would no more attend a religious ceremony for a same-sex couple than you would attend a gay orgy. Most people don't look at the ceremony that way, but that's the whole point. You're solemnizing one flesh or sexual union. So this is the right biblical analysis for this question, but I want to broaden that to say that I have so much respect for this ministry because, as Alex McFarland said, it's an occupational hazard that sometimes people are going to get offended or think it's overreaction or it's judgmental. But simply standing firm on the truth requires that Christians and ministries simply stand up and say, we are not going to participate in that. We are uh, going to then, as AFR did, uh, take a program off the air. I would hope they would take me off the air if I was um, espousing a position that was contrary to the truth of the gospel of Christ. And I also respect that they went even further than than just reacting, but actually approached in a spirit of Matthew 18, approached Alistair Begg and his, his ministry and asked for clarification, asked for a retraction. That is exhortation. That's not easy for anyone to do. And it's also not easy in Alistair Begg's ministry's position. It's never uh, easy to be confronted that maybe we have a wrong position. So we need to learn from this that we need to exhort our brothers and sisters in Christ in a spirit of reconciliation and humility and love and grace, point out the errors of uh, there is hoping for reconciliation and conformance with the truth. And we also need to be open to listening to those that we trust, not everyone, I don't take advice from people who I haven't previously respected and who don't have a position in my life of speaking truth to me. That's why we are supposed to be members of a local church, have pastors, have advisors and counselors in our life. If Tim Wildman or Ed Vitagliano came to me and said, Jenna, I think you're in error, I hope I would be a mature enough Christian to listen to them. But the other thing that Alex said is the consistency of this ministry. I know a lot of you have had a lot of questions about why AFR, frankly, has stood with me in some of my decisions uh, navigating some of the legal issues. Now, I would hope that you would all give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe there are things that we can't talk about right now on air. There aren't. Uh, there, There are things that we can't talk about right now, but know that they are standing firm consistently with the truth. We've had some of those conversations off the air. When I can answer questions, I will, but know this. They are being 100% consistent, and I have so much respect because they're not influenced by culture or by donors. We'll be right back. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced 
advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. So let's turn to some of the news of the day and this letter from Governor Greg Abbott saying that the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. He says the executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting the states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration. He goes on to a note how uh, President Biden has violated his oath uh, to faithfully execute uh, the laws in the Constitution. Uh, He invokes James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution and foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels and illegal immigrants across the border. So he concludes with this, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4, which of course is how uh, is some of the state's powers and how states uh, join the union and the, the privileges and powers that they have as part of the union and the obligations of the federal government. Uh, he says has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to this state the right of self-defense. For these reasons, I have already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. That authority is the supreme law of the land and super supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the border. So I applaud Governor Abbott uh, for this, and it's not just a strongly worded letter. Uh, He is going to act on it. He is going to protect the border. And uh, what is the fallout of this? Um, friends, I'm not going to project that this is going to start a civil war, but if there were an, an incident that may incite um, something that we could frame as the next civil war, a an actual arms battle on the border between federal border protection and the state, that might be it. Um, we are at a very serious crossroads in the United States uh, between the lawless federal government and states and governors like uh, Greg Abbott and other uh, agencies actually acting according to the power that is vested in them. And I want to point out, this is Greg Abbott doing exactly what, for example, John MacArthur did when uh, he he appealed to the highest source of the law and to the power and protections that are given by the U.S. Constitution, which is the highest law of the land. This is not Greg Abbott being lawless. There were so many people that accused Pastor MacArthur of, well, you know, you're going against Romans 13. And, you know, and of course, that's in the Christian context. Abbott is not a pastor. He's um, a civil servant. But the same analysis in terms of uh, you are being lawless by not obeying 
your governor or in this instance, um, the federal government, which the supremacy clause says is supreme or the Supreme Court, which has handed down this opinion uh, or this decision vacating this injunction. Well, he is appealing to a higher law. That's exactly what our founders did when they said, we are not going to go with what the king says. He's infringing upon our rights to such a great extent and such a great harm that it necessitates us to appeal to a higher authority. So Greg Abbott is specifically saying that what the Biden administration is doing, and I would include the Supreme Court as well, is actually lawless. So it's not just saying we don't like the decision. We don't we aren't following the people who have power over us because it's the federal government versus the states, which denies state sovereignty as well, by the way. But he is appealing to the text of the Constitution and the actual power that Article one, Section 10, Clause three actually provides. This is exactly how you do it. This is exactly how you reclaim state sovereignty you exercise the power that you have and you do the right thing while not being lawless, not being in rebellion, not ignoring the law. This is actually according to the rule of law. He's doing the right thing. He is pointing out that it's the Biden administration and the Supreme Court in their decision that is being lawless in the same way that Governor Newsom was being lawless by saying, no, I'm going to dictate to churches when, where, and how they can worship and they can gather together as the ecclesia. No, our highest law of the land protects and preserves the right to free exercise of religion. This is why it is so important to understand our rights as citizens, the powers that we actually have also as citizens that are preserved through the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, and also for states like Texas to recognize the powers that they have are not always superseded by the federal government. So God bless Texas. We'll be right back. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a very bad place. She didn't know how she could raise a child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic, and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying, and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, we've been talking a lot about the presidential primary in recent months, but we should be also focused on the down ticket races, the down ballot races, uh, because it is so important to keep really solid conservatives that will champion our values 
not only in Congress, but also in state legislatures and in all offices, not just the presidency. So uh, Thomas Massey, who is a current representative uh, from the great state of Kentucky, is running for re-election, and he posted this, turning to my re-election to Congress. First, the good news. No Democrat filed to run against me. Now, the bad news. I have a crazy primary opponent who spent approximately $750,000 of his own money in his failed bid for governor last year. So joining me now is the man himself, our good friend Thomas Massey. So um, crazy primary opponent? <laughs> yes. And, and just a reminder for the, you know, for the rest of Congress, it's really important if we keep the majority. Now, I don't have a, a Democrat, as I said there on my ex post, but a lot of people do. So pay attention to these down ballot races, because if we if Hakeem Jeffries is the speaker, I don't care who the president is. If we get a Republican in there, it's going to be a nightmare. I mean, every day they will torment uh, if we get a Republican and then we don't in the White House, but we don't have a Republican speaker of the House. So that's so important. Absolutely. Uh, now, my opponent is, uh, you know, he's a self-funder. He has a lot of money. He has a trust fund. Uh, we, I don't know how much money he has, but I do know he spent $750,000 running for governor um, last year. Kentucky has um, an odd election year race for governor. Our governor's race was in 2023. So he's still at the, the front of the mind. He's also had um, Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. on his farm at something that it's like a rally that he organizes. They've come to his farm two years in a row, and he may be trying to plan something like that again. Of course, he has to pay them to show up. Well, and I think it's so important, Representative Massey, as you mentioned, keeping um, a, a majority in Congress of solid conservatives. But as we've seen, especially this last term, it's not just about Republicans in name only. And you're facing a primary against someone who's also running as a Republican, but ensuring that we have the best Republicans to make sure that the conference will vote conservative values and will stand up against the Biden regime. And you actually have the best track record of any member of Congress in voting against Biden uh, in all of Congress. So talk about why that's important and and how people need to approach primaries when it's two Republicans and they think, well, as long as I vote for one of the Republicans, what does it matter? Yeah, sure. You know, first of all, do your research. The guy I'm running against was not registered Republican in December of last year. In Kentucky, you have to be registered by December 31st in the party that you're going to run in. I think he registered on December 30th to be a Republican. So he got into this primary at the very last second by registering Republican at the very last second. I love that statistic you just quoted. I think it's 538. Is that the name of the organization that uh, keeps yes. track of you know how, how frequent you vote with or against Joe Biden? Now, the way obviously Joe Biden doesn't have a vote in Congress, but what they do is they say, how many times did you vote for a bill that he signed? And um, I was surprised when I looked at that statistic. I vote with Joe Biden 1.8 percent of the time, I think it says. So uh, and Chip Roy is tied for first place with me in voting against Joe Biden the most. And I wanted to know, when did I ever vote with Joe Biden? It turns out there was a bill to help veterans who were exposed to chemicals, uh, either like Agent Orange or the burn pits. 
in Afghanistan. So I did vote for that, and he did sign it. So that's the 1.8% of the time that I have voted with Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I think we'll but forgive other, you for that one. That one makes uh, sense. Okay. So, <laughs> but, but this, but this other just, than, other than this that, shows like, that, as, you know, nobody else has voted against his agenda more in Congress of the 435 members other than Chip Roy, who I believe is tied with me on that statistic. Well, I, I hope that uh, if both of you are reelected, you can vie for first place um, in this next in this next legislative cycle. But um, but hopefully uh, we will have someone better in office uh, than uh, than Joe Biden in the presidency. Um, but but this also is important, I, I think, for people who aren't um, in Kentucky um, or, you know, if they're looking at, at these races and saying, well, you know, we're not in Kentucky, uh, we're not in Texas where uh, Chip Roy is from. So, you know, what does this matter? But um, people can still affect your race through donations um, from outside the state. And you've actually, since posting this just a couple of days ago, have gotten a lot of mostly small donations um, from this uh, that post and from expressing yeah. um, your desire to run. So explain how people can affect races, even if they're not in the state. Sure. Well, first of all, my website is thomasmassey.com. And if you go there and donate at that website directly, instead of WinRed, nothing against WinRed, but if you donate directly at my website, none of the money goes to the RNC, none of it goes to other candidates, other than the credit card processing fee, it all goes to uh, my campaign. So thomasmassey.com if you, if you want to help me out. Now, and then, you know, I did a, a plea. I've been working to try to help other people for so long that I haven't done any fundraising myself. So I had, I think at the end of the last quarter, we just did our report, $317,000 in the bank, which might sound like a lot. But that's less than half of what my primary opponent spent on his race for governor last year. So I'm going to have to get those numbers up. Um, I was surprised at the outpouring of support. Just from one post on X alone, we got uh, about $45,000 of small dollar donations. Uh, the, you know, the most common donation was $20, but it added up to $45,000. We had five, uh, almost 600 donors contributed just based on that post alone. And I'll tell you why it's important to, to get to the second half of your question to elect people like Chip Roy or myself. Some days we are the only member out of, you know, 435 who are doing a certain thing that everybody wants us to do. So for instance, um, I have uncovered the January 6th pipe bomb misinvestigation. I, there's not even a real investigation going on here by the FBI, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the one who got the video released that shows the discovery of the second pipe bomb at the DNC. That video was never released before. It's not been released since. I worked really hard within inside of the internal bureaucracy of Congress against the wishes of a lot of people to get that video off the computer and out to the American people in the fullest resolution, uncut and unedited possible, that shows that the January 6th pipe bomb uh, narrative is fake. Like, they weren't concerned about that. Those bombs were not operable. There was something else going on there. So I got that released. I, you know, we had a, a transcribed interview, you might call it a deposition, of the FBI director, he's, he's the assistant, um, director of the 
FBI, he was in charge of the D.C. field office. Everything in Washington, D.C. that's FBI, he was in charge of, most prominently, this January 6th investigation. Well, Jim Jordan brought him into the Judiciary Committee for a transcribed interview, mostly about the uh, the warrant that was served in Mar-a-Lago while he was the assistant director of the FBI in charge of the D.C. field office. But I took that opportunity while the guy was there, you know, sworn to tell the truth, to ask him about the January 6th pipe bomb. There were only two members of Congress in that room for several hours, myself and Jim Jordan. And if you, you know, if somebody like me isn't there, there will be nobody in that room asking those questions. Right. And and that's important to everyone in America, regardless of what state and particular constituency that you represent. And um, this is why, you know, I have in, in full disclosure to our our audience, um, just in my personal capacity, I have I've supported you um, for years and have uh, really appreciated everything that you have done in Congress. I think you have been uh, one of the most stalwart conservatives and consistent conservatives, because uh, like you mentioned to a CNN anchor recently, and this clip was, was just hilarious for people who uh, didn't see it. Um, you you actually uh, read the bills. Imagine that. You you go beyond just the headline. So so that's also important um, for everyone to understand that, too. Hey, by the way, I think I hear a dog in the background there. Just to be clear, <laughs> I have a grandson in the I have a grandson in the background here. If you hear uh-huh. a toy making noise or he just <laughs> oh, I hear a toy playing music right now. Um, we love our families. Yes, I have my two yeah, little I mini golden doodles. So, yes. So they, they love you, too. They're, so they're, they get sassy with Massey all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that's that's what you, you know, what you have to do. Thank you for, for supporting me. Um, I do read the bills. The CNN anchor the other day said she asked if I was insulting her intelligence and she was visibly shaken, and I said, no, I'm just saying you weren't prepared to do this interview. And her interview was a hit piece on me. She was trying to attack me. What a lot of people didn't see was the first seven minutes of that interview where I was as polite as you can be, but she just insisted on, on being disingenuous and misrepresenting one of my votes without you know, disclosing everything about the bill. So I had to reveal that she was not prepared for the interview and take her into what was actually in the bill. By the way, I am the guy, if, um, you know, folks don't know who I am. They might remember me from March 27th of 2020 when Congress was going to pass the CARES Act on, a, uh, on unanimous consent. And the way they wanted to do it, the reason they wanted to do it by unanimous consent is nobody would be accountable, and they also didn't want congressmen to have to work that day. Now, mind you, nurses were working, truckers were working, grocery store folks were working, uh, farmers were working, and they told us to stay home that just by unanimous consent with Nancy Pelosi as speaker, we would spend $2 trillion. And all it took was for me to get in my car at midnight, drive eight hours and show up and tell them I was going to object and that it would fail based on my objection. So they gave up on that plan and called all of Congress back to work. They hated me for breathing air up there, Republicans and Democrats. But I said, folks, you pass this bill, you're going to cause inflation. You pay people not to work, you're going to cause shortages. And oh, by the way, you're setting the predicate for a mail-in election this year because you're saying that it's too dangerous for Congress to show up and vote. Well, guess what? 
people aren't going to show up and vote. And as everybody later found out, there was millions of dollars in that bill to fund the mail-in election of 2020. So, you know, but I was the only one that day who would object. The CNN called me the most hated person in Washington, D.C., and I have to give them credit. That's the only time they've ever reported the headline correctly. (laughs) And I think you should wear that as a badge of honor if you are uh, doing something that is so faithful to uh, to the principles of the Constitution and to your job and to Congress that that you're actually making both sides mad. And I think this is one of the the things that we have all seen as voters and as conservatives, uh, that there is a massive divide between the faithful conservatives and and constitutionalists versus these republican in name only um and, uh, republicans in name only and and so how would you define that chasm in congress and and are there more people like you that we can hopefully build a, a stronger coalition well you know what's funny is um, that that term, Republicans in name only, my primary opponent fits that term because he registered Republican <laughs> the last day of last year so that he could run against me. But uh, I, I've got mixed feelings about that term because, you know, when you're in Washington, D.C., a lot of times the Republican Party is doing the wrong thing. And, and you might actually want to be the only Republican who's not going along with Republicans that day. For instance, when they pass an omnibus bill and they say, Come on, you know, take one for the team. And I think, well, if my team is, uh, if my quarterback on my team snapped the ball and is running for the wrong end zone, I'm not going to block for him. Uh, to quote my friend Louis Gomert when he was talking about John Boehner one day, and they told him to get on the team. Uh, so, you know, there is a big difference. Go look at the scorecards. That you know, there's organizations that keep scorecards. Republican Liberty Caucus. I like their scorecard the best because I have 100 percent. But other other organizations like Freedom Works, Heritage, Club for Growth, they keep score. Don't take any of them as the gospel. Look at all of the different rating groups and then kind of look at the average. And then if you're if your congressman is closer to a Democrat than a Republican in terms of voting record, and I'm not trying to impugn anybody's motives, I'm just talking about their voting record, then, you know, Think about voting for somebody else in the primary. Yeah, really well said. And uh, AFA also has the iVoterGuide.com to vote uh, by state and vote values. And obviously, as a nonprofit, uh, we don't, as an organization, uh, endorse any particular candidates, but we do vote our values. Um, I have endorsed others in my personal capacity, and uh, Thomas Massey has been one that I uh, very sincerely champion. And so I really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, Congressman, keep doing the great work that you do on Capitol Hill every day. We will be praying for you if you'd like to learn more about uh, Thomas Massey or support him, you can go to thomasmassey.com, thomasmassey.com, and follow him on social media because he is one that will always give you really good information about what's coming up uh, next in Congress. So always appreciate uh, everyone who's championing the values and the truth of uh, not only the gospel of Christ, but also conservative values on Capitol Hill and everywhere. Well, we are out of time this morning, uh, but you can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. Tomorrow is Friday. Very excited for that. Make it a great day for the Lord. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.
I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.